Wild Rose Casino and Hotel presents Great White. It's Great White, March 26th at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel in Clinton. Tickets on sale now. Get yours at the Iowa store inside the casino or at wildroseresorts.com. Great White at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Clinton. You'd rather be here. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello there, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe, recording on Tuesday, March the 15th, little afternoon, Central Time. Uh, still recovering from the uh, trip to Indianapolis. It was uh Certainly exhausting, but in a good way. I uh, hadn't done one of those since 2006. Uh, I've covered all three of the Big Ten championships, tournament championships, and I was there in 02 when Iowa made the run um, down in Indianapolis, the Luke Wrecker run, we'll call it, uh, before falling just short against Ohio State. So I was a lot younger uh, during those previous runs. <laughs> Or you're talking 16 years ago, I was in my 30s, so um, a little bit different now. Um, so my body is feeling a little bit, my head's feeling a little bit. That's why I'm getting a later start today. Uh, no coffee sips as a result. I'm going to lose my sponsorship there. So I don't have a sponsorship, but maybe sponsorship opportunities are going to go out the window. Uh, I think this is three weeks in a row with having the coffee uh, consumption behind me by the time I record this podcast. Uh, those that those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, it's kind of the inside joke for the mailbag podcast listening audience. Um, I'm sure I'll bring back that shtick at some point. Uh, I'll be recording earlier in the day, maybe next week. But uh, be that as it's as it may as it may. Um, Iowa Big Ten Tournament Championship champions on the men's side, four wins in four days, earned a number five seed out in Buffalo, uh, will open against Richmond, and then play the winner of Providence and South Dakota State should the Hawkeyes advance um, to the second round, get to the Sweet 16, and likely a matchup with Kansas in Chicago, but we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. Uh, that's the early path right now for the Hawkeyes. Uh, Iowa women open Friday uh, at home. Uh, tickets available for that. They open with Illinois State uh, and then get the winner of Colorado and Creighton, I believe, on Sunday, uh, should the Iowa women advance. And then 
lurking out there in the Sweet 16 uh, would be a rematch with Iowa State in, in South Carolina. Um, NCAA tournament has a sense of humor. Uh, Iowa beaten soundly uh, in Ames earlier this season. I'm sure the Hawkeyes would like nothing more to, to get revenge uh, on a national stage, but uh, we'll cross that bridge if and when we come to it. Uh, Hawkeye wrestling in Detroit this weekend for the NCAA championships. So uh, the men open Thursday, the women play Friday all weekend with uh, wrestling. It's going to be a really fun week. It's spring break here in Iowa city. Uh, so it's kind of like a ghost town, but uh, that's okay too. I'm sure wherever Hawkeyes are, they'll be consuming um, the action. And uh, we've got a lot of questions. So I kind of want to jump into that right away. Um, AP Hawkeye at Andy Paul Rules 1 um, asked me back on March 11th, which was what? Uh, I'm bad at math. Sometime last week. Uh, again, public service announcement. Um, and I think Andy's got another question later on. Uh, I'm, I'm going through these chronologically. Uh, so he was the first one uh, into this podcast. And as I, I the public service announcement is, if you have any questions between the time you're hearing this podcast and the next time I record, hashtag HFmail, any question, any comment, I will uh, address it, talk, talk about it, answer it, whatever you want, uh, on the following podcast. So you're not, uh, you're not restricted to asking after I ask for questions, uh, usually on Monday nights and then again on Tuesday mornings, but, uh, anytime you want to get in, shoot it my way and we will hit that up uh, again at Andy Paul rules one, given how they're both playing right now, is it unfair to say that Iowa basketball's most head scratching loss this season may turn out to be Iowa state. I would suspect a much different outcome if the two teams played each other today. Yeah. I mean, but I, but Iowa state's at least in the NCAA tournament. I mean, Iowa lost to Penn state, right? So that's a, a team that did not make the NCAA tournament and that was at Penn state. Uh, certainly an opportunity to win the margin of of defeat to the Cyclones is probably the most alarming of that loss. But so far back earlier in the season that this is a completely different team now. There's been the lineup change. Uh, the rotation's a little bit different. Team is playing much better at a high, much higher level uh, than it was back then. And that's to be expected. You lose Luca Garza, Wieskamp, Jack Nunji, Frederick, your, your roster, your lineup, your rotation, all of those things change a lot. And sometimes it takes some time before you figure out roles and, and get people on the right seats, in the right seats on the bus. And I always been able to do that. Uh, hat tip to uh, Fran McCaffrey, uh, Billy Taylor, um, Sherm, du Sherm Dillard, I almost said Sherman Douglas, I'm going back to the old Syracuse guard, uh, and, and uh, Kirk Sparrow. Uh, excellent job by the staff this year um, putting this thing together and team is playing at a very high level right now. It was, it was fun Saturday and Sunday. Uh, those were road games. Uh, Indiana fans were really loud in the arena. Purdue fans were louder on Sunday. Um, it was fun. It was a fun, fun ride. Uh, I've enjoyed every one of those runs. Uh, 2001 was the most unlikely 2006 
was awful fun. And then this weekend was fun too. So lifetime of memories for me, enjoyed it. Enjoy seeing those kids celebrate uh, their hard work. So um, yeah, I think, I think the Iowa state loss is right up there, Andy, no question about it. Um, but who knows, maybe they'll meet up again in, in Chicago. Wouldn't that be fun? Um, e at NBA underscore fan underscore 2014 also asked last week, will the Hawks get more foul calls to go their way with different officials in the uh, NCAA tournament? Why did Iowa barely try to get rebounds under the basket in the Indiana game? Do you think Fran will be more lenient with the two fouls equals bench rule in the tourney? Um, usually the NCAA tournament is called differently, um, a little bit tighter, uh, fouls or calls are a little bit tighter, but again, it's, a, it's depending on the officials and how they call a game. Uh, and it's usually, you just want consistency, right? You want, um, if a foul is a, is a foul, you know, if a foul is called in the first two minutes of the game, make sure it's the same foul in the last two minutes of the game. And I know people are like, ah, you can't call that foul at the end. Well, if it's a foul, it's a foul. So call it the same throughout. And that's all coaches really ask for. And the players as well. If they know what a foul is, what's going to be called that day, um, then they have an idea how to play. And that's, you know, when, when it's inconsistent, that's the, the most uh, head scratching uh, and, and stressful, I think, that it could be. Uh, I don't really remember them not going for rebounds in the Indiana game. E, um, they got soundly out rebounded by Purdue. Um, the Indiana game may have been a concerted effort to get back on defense and take away Indiana's break. Um, so that's a possibility. Um, we'll kind of, and the last part of your question, uh, I don't think Fran will be more lenient with the two foul calls bench rule for the most part. I mean, there could be exceptions to the rule if that was Pat Hardy calling me. He has a knack. And if anybody's ever listened to these podcasts, he has a knack for calling when recording podcasts. It could be this podcast. It could be the Seven Nation podcast. It could be the podcast I do with Scott Docterman, uh, the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast. I usually get a phone call from Pat while I'm recording. Um, but the two foul bench rule, I mean, if it's Keegan uh, and the game's kind of you feel like it's getting away from you, um, I, I think he has a little bit of wiggle room there. But for the most part, he's going to stick to that rule. Um, and I know it's maddening for some people. Um, I really don't, it doesn't bug me. I kind of understand the the method to the madness, so to speak. So um, I don't see him changing much of what he does. Uh, his beliefs and his strategy and his uh, philosophy has gotten to him to this point. And uh, as this guy in his sixties, he's probably not going to change a whole lot. So thank you for the question. E, uh, E returns again last night with how far will the Iowa men's and women's teams go? Will Keegan Murray's draft rise? Let's let's answer that. Let's answer him one at a time. He's got a, several here, but how far will the men and women go? I think the men make it to the Sweet 16. Uh, Going to be a really hard game with Kansas. Um, I think Iowa can win that game. I don't know if I, at this point, until I see how they look in the tournament, I don't think I can predict Iowa to, to beat Kansas in the sweet 16, but I think it's going to be a heck of a game. And I may change my tune when I'm listening, when you listen to this podcast next week, uh, the women will go to the elite eight. The women will pretty much cruise through these first two games. Uh, and then 
Uh, the matchup with Iowa State will be a, a dogfight, but I think Iowa's the better team now. Uh, they got run out of the gym at Hilton earlier this week, this year too by the Cyclones, so I think the, there's the revenge factor there. Uh, so I'll say the Iowa women to the Elite Eight, um, and let me bring that bracket up because I might be able – I may – see who they would get. Who's the number one seed on that side? Is it South Carolina? I think it might be. And if that's the case, that's probably uh, uh, where the run ends. Uh, let's look it up here. Sorry, I probably should have had both of these brackets um, pulled up, but let's see here. Iowa women. Uh, who's at the top of that? Who is the one there? Oh, these things are huge. Yeah, it's South Carolina. I got Iowa women to the Elite Eight, Iowa men to the Sweet 16. Check with back with me next uh, next Tuesday for the mailbag, and I may have a different outlook depending on how uh, how these teams look. But I think uh, I feel pretty confident in that too, which is uh, which is kind of scary. That uh, I, I feel like I feel like uh, they're in really good position to do that. Will Keegan Murray's draft stock rise the deeper the men go in the tournament, or is there a ceiling for how high he'll go in the draft? Um, I'm not sure how much the tournament will impact it. E. I think it does have a, um, it, it does have, it, it does factor in based on who he may go up against. Like if they play Kansas and he looks like the best guy on the floor, that certainly can have an impact. I think where he'll be able to, um, impress the scouts will be in the individual workouts. Uh, I'm not sure as he'll compete at the combine. I don't know if he'll need to. Um, He'll probably be more likely to do individual workouts where they bring him in and he'll go against guys. Uh, He'll he'll probably play some five-on-five and then also go one-on-one with with some of the guys that are already in the league and see how he holds up. Uh, Those are the areas where I think he can improve his stock. Uh, I certainly don't think – the NCAA has is there's no bearing based on his performance in the NCAA, but I think those individual workouts will be weighed more uh, than how he does in the, in the tournament. But certainly, making a run in the turn in the in the big tournament and, and performing well uh, certainly cannot hurt uh, his stock. Uh, any other players going to declare for the WNBA or NBA next year? Um, I, I think Caitlin Clark's here for the duration. Um, that's just the, the, uh, the sense I get now. Um, and, I, and I assume you're talking about Iowa players. Uh, next year, I think there, there could be an opportunity for Chris Murray. Uh, he's got the skill set. Um, he just needs to be more consistent uh, um, with his play. There's times where he looks really, really good and other times where he looks lost. And I would say the same thing about Patrick McCaffrey. Uh, But both of those guys are seeing their first really significant minutes now. Um, And you hope that by next year, you know, from the the developmental standpoint, that consistency is the next part of their game where most nights, most games, most times you watch them, you're getting a consistently high level performance. Um, And then I can see, uh, potential next year, but it's, it's, uh, I don't think there's anybody as, as, uh, you know, coming out of this year with that, um, hype or, uh, maybe, I want to say potential because I think there is potential there for Chris, but I think, uh, Keegan had buzz last year coming out of last year, uh, as a potential first round pick. Um, a lot of those guys that do those, uh, 
mock drafts a year ahead of time, have some intel from the NBA scouts. So keep an eye on that. Maybe Chris pops up in some of those here in the next couple months. Uh, but at least at this point, um, there's nobody that pops out to me uh, that I think would be in that position, at least right now. Um, but a, a year can change a lot of things, as, you, as we've seen here with Keegan Murray. Uh, AP at Andy Paul Rules 1 is back uh, from last night. Wondering your thoughts on bracketologists. To me, it's the most overrated position in sports. Anyone who follows college basketball with some regularity can probably name 64 the 68 team field. Lenardi, Palm, and others are overblown pitchmen. I think it's entertaining, Andy, um, if you like it. Um, and I think a lot of people do, which is why they do it. I don't hold any grudges. Well, I shouldn't say grudges. I, I have no animosity towards those guys. Uh, Jerry Palm is, I think, needs to reassess his evaluations, uh, his metrics. He's still stuck with the metrics that he created. And the metrics that are used now aren't as closely related to those as they used to be. Um, you know, when it was RPI. So he needs to kind of adjust because I think he had Iowa as a six seed, but he had Iowa as like a seven seed going into the NCAA or going into the Big Ten championship game, which was what was ridiculous and idiotic. So he needs to adjust a little bit and not be so um, stubborn, I would say. So that would be my thought on him. Lenardi's funny. He looks like Jerry Mathers from Leave it to Beaver. I'm old. Um, so that reference is probably dated for a lot of you listening to this podcast. Um, but he's funny. I think he's genuine. I think I don't think he takes himself too seriously. Um, I think he's almost uncomfortable with how ESPN pumps him up um, and, and promotes it. Um, but but it's something that people consume and people are interested in. And, and I'll admit, I look at it, um, but I also don't. I, I also try to keep it in perspective. And I think if you do that, it's okay because um, I think you can get kind of a an idea seating wise. Uh, and it gives me an opportunity to maybe look at some other teams around the country that maybe I've missed during the season because I'm so ultra focused on the Big Ten uh, and, and some, to somewhat the Big 12, the two conferences in our footprint. I pay a lot of attention to them, but sometimes the Big East and the Pac-12 and the SEC and the ACC, those I, I, I kind of lose focus on them. So it's good um, to kind of get an idea of where, where, you, where those guys think some of those teams will be seeding wise, or at least kind of, and then I can do my own research, but yeah, I don't put a lot of stock into it. And I think that's the way you have to approach, approach the bracketologist, uh, keep some perspective uh, and try to just kind of use it for what it is. It's a guide. It's not, you know, uh, people thinking they're going to get every pick right in, and have every team seated correctly and every team placed right in the right region and area and first round locations is just if you're expecting them to do that you're going to be disappointed so thanks for the question again Andy appreciate it Jake Markham at J Markham 1337 checks in uh, another frequent uh, listener and contributor to the mailbag podcast along with Andy and E um, go Hawks and baseball is back Rob what a time to be alive that is all sir Keep up the good work. P.S. Both Hawks teams are going to the Elite Eight. So Jake's got the, the men beating Kansas and getting there. I'm not that far off. Uh, hopefully we have a, a great march uh, around. Thank you for the kind words, Jake. Uh, appreciate you checking in as often as you do. 
Um, happy baseball is back, starting to focus on my fantasy teams a little bit more and trying to figure out what my roster looks like and who to keep and who to let go and things like that. So I've got some work to do now that, uh, that the sport is back and the, uh, the owners and the players came to their senses like they should have and not shot themselves in the foot. So thanks for checking it, checking in Jake, Alan H at Mac Miney on Twitter. That's at M A C M I N E Y out of all the teams Iowa faced this season, which one does Rich, Richmond most resemble? Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening, Alan. Really appreciate that. Um, Richmond, I, I haven't done a ton of work, and I'll talk. We'll talk more, but maybe break down Richmond a little bit tomorrow on the Hawkeye Hot Pod, Hot Spot Podcast programming note. Scott Docterman is going to be unavailable on Thursday. In addition, Iowa plays on at two o'clock on Thursday. So actually, I think Todd, I think Todd, I think uh, Doc w- would be available on Thursday, but I think it makes more sense to us for us to. Um, to podcast tomorrow on Wednesday, March the 16th and kind of see, um, you know, we can, we can preview the, the, the men, the women and wrestling tomorrow before the action starts. If we podcast Thursday morning, the podcast becomes stale because Iowa plays, you know, an hour or two after we release the podcast. So probably going to, uh, dive in a little bit more tomorrow. So programming note, um, if you want a little bit more in-depth, look at Richmond and, and uh, Illinois state and the, the, you know, the team Providence, South Dakota state teams like that. We'll discuss that a little bit more tomorrow uh, on the pod, the hot spot podcast, but uh, Richmond plays is kind of a Princeton system. Um, As far as, if I can remember correctly, it's kind of a Princeton offense, pack line defense, Virginia, Wisconsin style. Um, I think that's that's my cursory research and what I've been able to find out. Um, but I, I may correct myself tomorrow. Uh, but I, I'm almost positive it's a Princeton offense, uh, and I think it's in conjunction with that the pack line defense, uh, which is their system. Very veteran team. Um, I think their top three scores are either graduate students or, uh, in the case of uh, who is it. There was one guy, uh, Gilliard is a graduate student. So fifth, sixth year player, uh, Tyler Burton is a junior. He's one of their leading scorers. He's six, seven, two fifteen. Uh, Gilliard is the guard. He's five, nine, one sixty. Uh, he's, he's, he's a nice player. So, uh, he's kind of their headliner. Um, and then Grant Golden, uh, also scores in double figures and he is a graduate student. So they're, t- they're a veteran team like Iowa. Um, they've got experience, um, pretty solid. Uh, Chris Mooney, the former Princeton player is the coach. Thus they play the Princeton system. Uh, so those are, that's kind of my, uh, my basic scouting report. Like I said, we'll try to dig into that a little bit more tomorrow on the hotspot podcast. Thank you for the question, Alan, moving along, uh, Doug, Doug Watney at Doug underscore Watney on Twitter. Um, who are the key incoming basketball recruits and positions they play? Any have potential for meaningful playing time? Okay, so they have two guys in the incoming class so far, Doug. I would not be surprised to see an addition uh, of some kind, whether that be um, – here's the deal. Let me, let me address the first – the guys that are coming in. 
Uh, DeSante Bowen is a point guard from out in uh, prep school in New England. Uh, highly rated kid, really good offers. Uh, I, I like him a ton. I think he has a chance to be a different difference maker at point guard. Um, I, I think he can contribute next year, uh, depending on what the roster looks like and uh, who's back and, you know, things like that. I mean, there's a chance Connor McCaffrey can come back. We'll kind of have to have to understand there's some flexibility there with the roster um, and, and how uh, that may affect adding other people or the playing time of guys coming in. Uh, the other uh, player is uh, Josh Dix, a wing two, two guard, um, off guard uh, for the old timers, but more of a wing versatile guard. Unfortunately for, for Josh, he broke his leg uh, late in the season, a pretty bad break. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see his recovery time. I haven't talked to him yet. I'm going to try to get with that in this off season and maybe write something about him, but um, his recovery and his availability for next season is fluid. So we'll kind of see very talented guy had offers from Purdue, a bunch of other schools that uh, can identify talent as well as Fran McCaffrey can. So, uh, kind of in that same group of uh, uh, talent, talent evaluators that I respect. Uh, Matt Painter and, and Fran McCaffrey are two that I really respect because there are players everywhere you can see. Um, but Josh Dix is a, is a really talented player, and hopefully he gets a, makes a full and speedy recovery, um, and he can contribute next year too. Um, and then I think this, the coaching staff has to evaluate where Josh Agundale and Riley Mar- Mulvey are going into next season and the potential to maybe bring in an um, experienced big out of the transfer portal. Uh, I think that's a possibility to go there. Uh, maybe uh, a stretch four in the transfer portal. Um, or you have Philip Rick come back and you move him to stretch four. I know we haven't seen it this year, but he's a guy that can face up He's a guy that can take his game out to the three-point line. You, you have that versatility with Phillip, which is really nice to, to bring him back. As we saw this year, he was um, kind of in a tough spot against the bigs, you know, from you know Hunter Dickinson to Kofi uh, to the Purdue bigs to um, the kid from Rutgers, uh, Amare, um, the, the really big center types that are in the league. Gave Phillip trouble. Guy worked his ass off to compete with those guys, and on most nights he did. Uh, but it's tough to, to to compete and to match up with those guys without fouling. I have still photos of him, you know, against some of those big guys, and he's just not as tall. He's strong, um, and he works his ass off, and he understands the game. But it might be nice to move Phillip to to the spot Keegan is playing this year, and then bring in another big, um, and then have Patrick at the three. Philip at the four, a big uh, with Tony and maybe Toussaint or Ulis or Bowen, split those. And then you've got Peyton Sanford coming off the bench. Um, you know, and then obviously you've got a Gundale and Mulvey. You hope that those guys can make the jumps next year. Mulvey should be in high school right now. So, uh, you know, he definitely gets a mulligan for this year. Uh, and I think. Fran thinks a lot of both of those guys and their potential. So it's a matter of evaluating after the season where you think you are and what you need. But like DeSante Bowen a lot, Doug, and I think Josh Dixon healthy next year would be a huge bonus as well. He's a guy that can shoot the three, drive it. He's a pretty good perimeter defender. Uh, Bowen's a really good defender and uh, a guy that can facilitate 
So really good additions coming in. I think obviously you lose Keegan Murray. That's a huge hole. You lose Bohannon, potential lose Connor. That's a lot to replace. But replacing Garza and Wieskamp this year was a lot to replace. And Iowa hit the ground running. The chances of getting another Keegan Murray, maybe it's Chris Murray, or maybe you you reload and have more guys contributing and not have one focal point like Keegan is this year. Uh, maybe the wealth is spread out a little bit. So maybe you don't have a 20-plus point score, but maybe you have more guys scoring double figures. Uh, that's kind of what the way – that's that's kind of my, my – uh, 30,000-foot view, at least on March the 15th, 2022 for, for next season. So appreciate the uh, question, Doug. Uh, DC Hawk at DC underscore Hawk 6 asks, do you think Chris could have the kind of season next year that Keegan had this year, or is that putting too many expectations? little bit different type of player. Um, I think Keegan – it's interesting. I think Keegan – was more of an inside player that has developed his outside game this year and become a better three-point shooter. I think Chris is the opposite. He's more of a perimeter player, a three-point shooter that's trying to develop his insight. So with that, you're going to want to add strength, post moves, um, but I think he has that potential. Uh, Kenyon, their dad, does a great job working with them in the offseason just on – uh, coming up with moves and, and, and uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, getting those moves down. Uh, what's, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Uh, maybe uh, being more consistent with those moves and, and figuring out counters to what, how, how opponents are defending you. Keegan's done a great job of finding counters throughout the year, depending on how teams choose to defend him, uh, whether they want to front, and then he's figuring out how to get the lob, uh, or if they're going to play behind, and then his face up, or his spin moves he's learned in the post, uh, just a, a, an array of, of moves that he can pat, that's the one I was looking for, um, that makes you much harder to defend when you're that much more versatile. And that's what Chris has to do, and as I said earlier in the podcast, just be more consistent. Uh, clean up sloppy turnovers. Uh, you know, if you're shooting an air ball, maybe that's not a good shot. Um, things like that. Just trying to clean up some of those mistakes or shortcomings. And I and I would not put it past Chris uh, to have a great year. To the point where he's in the player of the year discussion nationally, that is a lot to ask. And I think that's unfair to put that expectation on him. Um, but I think he's going to have guys that are, on this roster that have developed from that maybe are uh, once they're a year better and he's a year better. I think that can help him as well, if that makes any sense. So appreciate that question, Doug. Um, That's all from the HF mail hashtag, but I know I've got some old farts that don't know how to use the hashtag Pat Hardy. Um, So let me go in here and see uh, if I can find some more of your questions here. Uh, Let me go back. I'll go to my, the original question because usually people will ask underneath there. Uh, Dan Brockett, he did use the hashtag and it didn't come up for some, sorry about that, Dan. Um, Can you handicap the center competition? Who do you think wins the job and what do you expect? 
I imagine Logan Jones, Justin Britt, and Michael Mislinski are the main candidates. You know, I might throw Cody Ince in there as well, Dan. I think he has that ability. And if that's, you know, again, kind of like uh, I was talking about earlier, getting him on the bus and then finding the right seats, you know, maybe Justin Britt and Mike Mislinski look good at center or look good at guard or, Logan Jones, you know, maybe it doesn't take at center this spring and he, he flips out to guard. Um, I think Cody Ince is kind of that um, jack of all trades. He can play anywhere on the line, and that's a great um, characteristic to have. And I think people forgot about him some last year because of him being injured. But when healthy, I think he could have been Iowa's second best offensive lineman behind Linderbaum this last year. And I think he has the potential to be Iowa's best offensive lineman this coming season if healthy. That's how highly I think of Cody in. So keep an eye on him too. But I think you have probably the three main contenders. And then it's just a matter of, you know, who fits best and give them all an opportunity to compete uh, this spring. Uh, Ms. Linsky has a season of backing up Linderbaum last year, so he got reps. Um, I'm not sure how significant reps he got with the first and second teams. My guess may be limited. Uh, I'm sure they got a decent look at him at bowl, in bowl prep. prep. Um, Logan Jones was hurt decent amount this year, so I don't know how much development time that cost him. Same with Justin Britt. He's farther along in his career, um, but he's had to deal with injuries. So it's a matter of these guys keeping themselves healthy and then being showing the coaches they can be consistent at a super important position uh, on the team, one of the most important positions at center. So there's going to be a drop-off. Um, you know, we said that last year with Luca Garza, there's going to be a drop off and then Keegan Murray shows up and maybe one of these guys is the next Linderbaum. Uh, but I don't know if that's, you can, I think it would be foolish to think that one of these guys is going to be at the level where Linderbaum played this past season after having three years under his belt or playing in his third season. So there's going to be a drop off. It's going to be which guy is most consistent. For me, that's probably the thing you're looking at the most. Who can be the most consistent, have an understanding and awareness of play calls, um, and then just gets the job done as a blocker. All of those components are important. It's more than just lining up at a, you know, outside of the center spot and just taking care of your thing. You've got to, you've got to, you know, be aware of what everybody's doing on the line and you have to, um, you know, you're kind of the quarterback of the offensive line. So he'll have some help, whoever he is in that position with some more, uh, with somebody like Cody Ince and some of the veteran guys on that, on that front. Um, but uh, those, that's kind of how I would handicap it. I may have a better idea here once we get into spring ball and I get a chance to, to get some feedback from some, from some of the people in the room. Um J.K. Hawkeye at J.K. Hawkeye 71 on Twitter asks, can Iowa wear the gold script jerseys as long as they want this postseason? Um, I think so. Um, they will be the higher seed in the first game, but they were the higher seed in the first game of the Big Ten tournament and were able to wear them against Northwestern. So I'm pretty sure they can. 
the NCAA is so goofy, J, JK, that I'm, I, I don't want to say it's a 100% certainty because they could have some dumbass rule that we don't know of that where, where teams have to change jerseys because of some stupid reasoning. But uh, I think they can. I, I think they can stick with those gold script jerseys. I hope they do. Uh, they make excuse me, make for great photos. Uh, They're cool looking. Uh, and I think from a superstitious standpoint, you're probably thinking, Hey, let's not, let's not change if we don't have to. So I think they can, but I don't know hundred percent on that one. Does the fact Iowa played two road games last weekend further cement this team as tested? Yeah, I think this team's tested. Um, you play 20 games in the big 10 or now 24 with the postseason. You're tested. And yeah, you're right. As I talked about earlier, those were road games uh, on Saturday and Sunday in Indianapolis. Indiana uh, had, a, had a very decided advantage on Saturday, and it was even bigger on Sunday with Purdue. So, yeah. And I don't think they'll face that type of um, disadvantage um, if you call it a disadvantage, because I would dealt with it um, out in Buffalo. Um, certainly, uh, it's a closer drive for for folks coming from Rhode Island, um, but not from South Dakota. Um, and who else is in there? Who's Rhode Island play or who's I, Iowa plays uh, um, Richmond, which it's a pretty long haul from from Virginia, too. So I wouldn't think that Iowa has has a uh, as a, they won't face any tougher crowd situations than they faced in Indianapolis potentially until they get to Chicago and play Kansas. But I think there'll be a lot of Iowa fans that show out if the Hawkeyes make it that far. So um, what is the largest Achilles heel for Iowa to overcome in the first weekend? I think it's just, um, I, I think it's just the stage really just being on this stage and knowing, I mean, even in the big 10 tournament, if you lose, you go home but you know you're going to the NCAA tournament, so there's something else out there. This is this one is much more definite. If you lose, you're done. Um, so if that happens, you know that 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 adds a little extra pressure on this. Um, and I go back to 2006, and I know uh, for guys like Greg Bruner and Jeff Horner and Adam Haluska, they cringe thinking about this. But my um, my analysis of what I saw that day in Detroit was, and I was sitting right behind the Iowa bench. Iowa was, was a a better team than Northwestern state and had a team that could make a run. But when North Northwestern state started to hit some shots and come back in that game, you could see the tension. You could see the stress. You could see the pressure on the face of the coaches and the players and I really think that factored in. Give Northwestern State all the credit in the world. Um, but it had nothing to lose and took advantage of the situation. And Iowa folded, I think, in the pressure. I think that was a part of uh, what happened uh, because it got away from what it did to get to that point, to be one of the hottest teams in the country entering that tournament as a three seed. Um, and now we're here again. You've got one of the hottest teams in the country entering as a five seed. Um, and is Richmond better than Northwestern State? I, I, don't, I don't remember what the point spread was against Northwestern State. I'm guessing it was pretty high. 
This one's what, 10, nine and a half, 10, something like that. When I first saw it come out, I haven't looked since then. Um, but it's pressure because the team itself, I'm not sure there's something that they haven't seen this year that you worry about them not being able to match up with. They've played at different paces. They've matched up uh, with different opponents in terms of how the opponent is, is constructed. So I'm not seeing anything there. Um, it's rebounding, I guess, JK, if there's one thing. Uh, we saw the rebounding, ugly rebounding again, rear its head against Purdue. Luckily, Iowa took care of the basketball, um, but they really took care of the basketball, and Purdue turned it over a lot, and it was that close of a game. Got to be better on the boards. That's got to be the focus. If there's one thing that you worry about is being dominated on the boards and then the turnover margin being closer and then Iowa not shooting the ball well. But a lot, but I think you could say that probably about most teams in the country. If you can't do, if you don't do two, three, four things well, you're going to lose. And I think it's the same for Iowa, but not a lot of weaknesses with this team. Uh, It's going to be more about handling the stage. Uh, I like the leadership on this team uh, to be able to do that. Um, So we'll see how that shakes out. Appreciate the question, JK. Um, I think that's all other than Pat Hardy's questions. Um, Who's more underrated, Todd Rundgren or Warren Zevon? Love both of them. Uh, Listen to both of them. Uh, Both are underrated. I'm just a huge Zevon fan, um, so I'm going to say him. Um, But but Rundgren may be – you hear it more with Warren Zevon. Oh, he's underrated. He should be in the – the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't think Rundgren even gets that type of respect. So from that standpoint, I would say Todd Rundgren is probably more underrated because he's not talked about as much. Um, But Warren Zevon, I think, is more... um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than Todd Rundgren, if I can say that. But I think Rundgren flies farther under the radar than Zivon does, if that makes any sense. Uh, I think Zivon's just a little bit more accomplished with his body of work, um, but Todd Rundgren's top songs probably match up with Zivon's pretty well. So, bitty, bigger body of work, if I could bring it back to uh, a Iowa sports reference. Uh, who best represents the best Keegan Murray finished product if he were to live up to what his draft selection will be? Grant Hill, Alex English, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. All good. Um, I would say probably would probably make Alex English the least. Um, put him at the back of the comparisons just because of the game has changed so much. Um, but not an awful comp. I'm really not good at these comps either, so... I'm sure people will disagree with my opinion um, and um, and uh, have have you know think I'm an idiot, but I'm going to say Grant Hill. Um, I just see that same kind of ability to attack the rim combined with the outside perimeter game. Uh, I think Kawhi Leonard's a good comparison. Uh, I think he's probably a little bit more explosive, just in terms of getting from the perimeter and dribble drive. Paul George is decent too. Um, I think all of those guys, Pat, are are good comparisons, but I'm going to go with with Grant Hill. I think Grant Hill maybe was a little bit more explosive and athletic, 
Um, but Keegan Murray has great athleticism um, and his skill set. His skill set is has the potential to be as good as any of these guys. And that's crazy to say, because you're talking about some great, great players, but I'm there. I'm on the bus. Uh, I tweeted yesterday that I think he's the best guy, best player I've covered in 25 years. Um, You know, and, and I've seen some great players come through here from, you know, the aforementioned Bruner, Horner, Haluska, triumvirate to Reggie Evans, to, um, to, you know, um, Jared Utoff, to Devin Marble, to Aaron White. Um, I know I'm going to leave guys out to Luca, obviously, Joe Wieskamp. There's been such really good, Peter Jock, there have been really good players that have come through here um, in, in my 25 years. Uh, Dean Oliver, um, Luke Record, just a ton of really, really good players. To me, one man's opinion Keegan Murray is the most complete player I've covered in 25 years. Two-way player, most skilled two-way player that I've seen since I've been covering Iowa basketball for 25 years. I don't remember Ronnie Lester that well, um, you know, and, and I think he's the guy that comes up most, and Luca, obviously. Um, and I have ultimate respect for Luca um, from a skill set and getting the most out of uh, maybe his natural, ta- nat- you know, natural given talent, what he was born with. Uh, I would say um, Luca uh, got the mo- got the most juice out of the orange, uh, but Keegan's starting to to get into that range with with more athleticism, and that's kind of why he's there for me. So, wow, I think we got to everything. Appreciate everybody's questions. We'll be back uh, next Tuesday again. Any if you have anything between now and next Tuesday around midday. Uh, the hashtag is hashtag HFmail. Shoot those my way, and I will find them uh, when I get back on here again next week. Uh, enjoy all the games and wrestling matches and everything you guys get to consume, uh, before, because before we know it, we go into uh, uh, the, the, uh, the spring where there's not there aren't as many uh, Iowa at uh, Iowa competitions to get excited about and look forward to. So really enjoy this rest of this month, guys, especially this next week, this first weekend of the March Madness and and the Big Ten wrestling and uh, soak it up. This is a good time in Iowa athletics right now. Uh, These aren't always this way, uh, as I've I've witnessed firsthand through the years here, last uh, two and a half decades. So Enjoy it. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for everybody for your questions and uh, comments. Be well, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. And actually, I'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast. The mailbag will be back one week from today. Thanks again. Take care, everybody. Ah, man. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying coworker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we got to do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton.